Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week we started uh, a new series we're going to go through for the next four weeks called Com- Compelling Disciples of Jesus. Compelling Disciples of Jesus. And we introduced this idea of the three pillars of discipleship and sort of what um, you see as someone who's going to be a resilient disciple of Jesus, someone who's going to compel people towards him is going to have these three things operating in their life. The first is God's presence. That they'll have a desire for God's presence, that this will be a priority in their life. They're operating in it and uh, walking through life knowing that God's presence is there and ushering, hosting his presence wherever they go. Second is formation. Seeing Christ formed in us to think, love, and act like Jesus, to have a priority for God's word in our lives. So presence, formation, and then mission, to be where Jesus is. He left the 99 to find the one. We want to be with him out there looking for the one. So presence, formation, and mission. Compelling disciples of Jesus have all three of these operating in their lives. And what happens when we lean into a couple of them is there's some dysfunctions that take place. Maybe it's just one of them. For most people, when I first saw this put together, I noticed that I was leaning into two of these things, not so much into another one. And I started to see some of these things come alive in my life. But what we want is we want all three happening because we want to be compelling disciples of Jesus that are with Jesus where he is, but also drawing those who are far from him back to him. Can I tell you today as we talk about the presence of God, we're getting into the presence of God today, can I just tell you that nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God? No no material possession, no position in life, no amount of children you have or whatever, it's nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God. My wife and I love this restaurant in our city called The Melting Pot. Have you heard of it? Fondue place, it's so fun. I love just getting to go there, you know, cooking your stuff. And I love how many dips they give you. Anybody a dip lover like me? Come on. Yes. And, and I, that's one thing I love about the melting pot. They give you all these dips and you're dipping your stuff. It's great. I love eating here. The only thing I don't like about eating here is that you smell like soup for three days afterwards. Like you have to wash your clothes so much to get it out. But every time we eat there, any special occasion when we eat there, uh, I always, if I know we're going there for dinner, I spend the rest of the day starving myself. And so no matter who brings donuts into the office or, you know, whatever thing might tempt me, I'm disciplined on that day not to eat anything because I know the good that is coming. I know how good dinner is going to be. I'm not going to let anything mess with my hunger for the melting pot. And one time we took my children to the melting pot. This was a totally different experience. Um, as you know, as you know, parents would know, it's a little bit different to eat out with kids. But the day leading up to that, they were doing what they always do, and they're eating goldfish and granola bars all day. And I'm going, oh my gosh, like you guys, you gotta starve yourself. You don't know how good what is coming. And and but then we get to the melting pot that night, and I'm so hungry. My hunger is there, but my kids are not interested in what's in front of them. Well, they are interested in one thing, the chocolate milk that the server brought. They're like blowing the bubbles in that, spilling that all over the place, you know, messing with the fondue stuff. And it was like they had no hunger for the good that was in front of them because of the cheap stuff they'd been putting in their body all day up to that point. 
So they weren't hungry for that goodness that was there. Like I was hungry. I'd starved myself. I made sure I was ready for the meal I was about to consume. Can I ask you this question this morning? What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Disciples of Jesus are hungry for his presence. Disciples of Jesus are people who say, God, I want your presence here. But sometimes there's some roadblocks in our lives, and so we're not experiencing God's presence as much as we could be. You might be here thinking today, well, I've um, sort of heard about this idea of God's presence, but I haven't really, I mean, I've tried, but I've left disappointed. I haven't really felt him before. You didn't really feel like you, you got into that place. You want his presence, but you're not experiencing it. Or maybe you think God's presence is more for the emotional types, right? It's for like maybe the, the skinny jean millennial or the baggy jean Gen Zer. That's kind of whatever, a little bit more emotional. I don't experience his presence that way, and that's okay. Or maybe you're not on the side where you feel like you haven't experienced him. Maybe you're on the other side where you feel like you experience him quite a bit. You feel like you hear from the Holy Spirit often, but how are you gauging how it's God's voice or not. Maybe it's just you. How, is it really him? And this is where the word of God and formation, what we'll talk about next week, is so helpful to understand God's voice. The scriptures let us know if it's really him or if we just wanted it to be him. There's a guy in the Bible named Moses. And Moses, man, he would, he would experience God's voice. He would talk to God. In fact, he was the only one back then that could talk to God. And so he'd go into this tent for, for his people anyway. So he would go into this tent and he would experience God's presence and he would talk to God on behalf of his people. Now, that was the Old Testament. Thank God that today we can all talk to God. That now we're all priests. Now, because of the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent in his place, we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and amongst us. And now we all get the opportunity to talk to God. Isn't that beautiful? Man, it's amazing that God did it for us. But Moses Man, he loved the presence of God. He understood this principle so well. And so he's out there with his people and they're stuck in this desert. They've left slavery and they know God has something more for them, but they're in the waiting season. And in the waiting season, all they get to eat is like stale wonder bread. It's just like gross stuff called manna. But God provided it for them. He took care of them. And so they're out there in the desert. They're just eating this manna and it's nasty. It's all they have. But God says, okay, Moses, I'm going to take you out of this place. And in Exodus 33, 14 and 15, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He's encouraging him. It's time. We're going to move on from this place. And Moses says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Wow. God makes Moses a great promise, but Moses just wants God for God. Moses is like, I'd rather be stuck in the wilderness eating this weird bread stuff than lose your presence. Milk and honey, that's great, God, but what I really care about is do not take your presence from me. I wonder what would shift in your life and mine if this was our main priority. God, don't take your presence from me. I wonder how much easier it would be to resist temptation. I wonder how much easier it would be to love your neighbor. I wonder how much easier it would be to thrive and resist the, the secular world if our prayer was, God, just don't take your presence from me. Here's the position of Moses. I think we got to pick up today. Moses is seeking God's face, not his hand. Moses is seeking God's face, not just seeking his hand. 
Moses is like, God, your, your blessings are great. What you want to give me is great, but I want your presence. Why don't we experience hunger like Moses sometimes? It's like my kids. We've been snacking. What have you been hungry for? What are we desiring? Here's the cool thing about God. This is what I love about God, is that we hear about how he blesses people and he takes care of people. Here's the cool thing. If you see God's face, he'll give you what's in his hand. If you see God's face, not his hand, he'll give you what's in his hand anyway. You, you watch all throughout the Bible, God blessing people, taking care of people. Jesus' first miracle, what does he do? There's a need at this wedding. All we have is water and we need wine. What's he do? He blesses those people with that good wine. How many people know that's probably the best wine anybody ever had in their life? Jesus is like, I know exactly. I already aged it miraculously in the name of Jesus. Jesus meets needs. God wants to bless you. But like Moses, we're to take the position of God, I want your face, and I know you'll give me your hand. Jesus feeds the 5,000, meets needs. God, he's trying to bless the Israelites here. He's like, I'm giving you a promised land. I want to bless you, take care of you. God wants to bless you the same, and nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God. Moses shows us that. But if God's presence is so good, why aren't we entering his presence as much as we could? Well, as we sort of explored the topic, as we're working through the, the message this week, sort of came to a few things that I've noticed in my life and maybe others struggle with as well. We don't enter God's presence because oftentimes we don't feel worthy of it. We're not entering into God's presence because we often don't feel worthy of it. What happened when Adam and Eve crossed the boundary that God gave them and said, don't cross this boundary. What happened as soon as they crossed that boundary, Adam and Eve hid from God. The restaurant is open, if you will. We just don't feel like we're dressed up enough to go inside. And people sort of come up with this idea that I'll go to God when I clean myself up. Like they're, they're you know, grooming themselves before a date. I've seen people have the same attitude towards baptism where you talk to people, hey, have you been baptized yet? And they're like, not yet. I just got to get maybe a handle. I just got to do a couple things before I, I get baptized. The sort of idea is I got to get rid of these few habits. I got to get way of this way of thinking. I got to get way of this way I speak before I get baptized. And they're thinking, I got to clean myself up before the baptism. Can I just tell you today, you don't need to clean yourself up to go to God. You go to God and you allow his presence to clean yourself up. And nothing we will ever do will make us worthy to experience his presence. Nothing we'll ever do to make us, will make us worthy to experience his presence. It's kind of like, have you ever showed up to something and you were underdressed? You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Please, I'm not the only one. You go to something and you just feel undressed. For me, like you're thinking like maybe a dinner party, maybe a Christmas party, maybe an interview or whatever, or maybe you overdress for the interview. Anybody ever done that? Uh, you, you show up in suit and tie and the person you're there is like in grubby jeans. Anyways, underdress is what we're talking about today. For me, underdressing often happens when I'm renovating, okay? Somebody's like, hey, can you come help me renovate my house? I'm like, yes, I'm gonna, it's usually the demolition day. Everybody's getting ready to go. We're gonna renovate this house together. And I show up and everybody's got like steel toes on, Carhartt pants. They got the nice tool belt with the good tape measure, you know, not the, the Walmart tape measure. They got all the nice stuff. And I show up, I show up in athletic shorts and Birkenstocks. 
so underdressed. And it never goes well, right, Dave? The renovating, Dave knows, uh, it never goes well. We're, we're, we've renovated together. But when it comes to God, nothing you'll ever do could make you dressed up enough for God. But everything Jesus did makes you dressed up enough for God. Everything Jesus did makes us able to experience his presence. Jesus is the one who makes us right with God. God sent his spirit and now we're able to enter into his presence. And compelling disciples of Jesus are people who say, God, I want your presence here. I'm hungry for it. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we must enter into the presence of his Holy Spirit. You'll be able to experience more of God's presence when your appetite changes. Nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God. The presence of God leaves you satisfied, not looking around for something else. And God comes where he's wanted. He's the only thing that will satisfy the desire, that sort of emptiness that we sometimes feel. In Psalms 27, 4, David says this. He says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. One thing. This, it's this I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is what I want from God. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord, seeking him in his temple. You see, in David's time, the only place he could experience God's presence was in the house of the Lord. But now we're in the New Testament world. And so the, the version of this that we can say is the one thing I've asked is that I will dwell in God's presence. The amazing gift of the Holy Spirit is that we can now dwell in his presence wherever we're at. Where I go, the Holy Spirit goes. And often we're not experiencing God's presence because we're not hungry for God. We've been satisfying our own desires. How do we do that? Come on, you do it, I do it. We do it by maybe a desire for positions of power, maybe a desire for material things, house, car, clothing, spouse maybe. It's like, I just want this spouse. That's what I'm hungry for. That's what I live every day to try and find or financial gain. Maybe it's the self-help world. You kind of get sucked in. It's like, if I just do these 10 things, my life is going to be so much better. Maybe it's financial gain. Maybe it steps forward in the life plan and the goals that you've set. And we, without even realizing it, we become like the rich young ruler who said, Jesus, how, how can I follow you? Just like, easy, just give up all that stuff and follow me. He's like, no, I, I can't do that. And there's nothing wrong with, with like moving forward in life in all these places. But at the end of the day, we can't be like my kids with chocolate milk. It's like if we want God with us, we have to say, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give up all this stuff in order to chase after you. You're the one thing I want the most, God. I'm running after you. That's what I hunger is I want your presence here with me wherever I go. Something weird started happening to, happening to me a couple years ago. I'll start by going back 10 years. When I first started in ministry, um, my dad had, you know, and it had been years of wanting to do this. And about 10 years ago, started into it. And I, honestly, in my naivety, I wasn't scared of a lot, except for dead bodies. Uh, and in my line of work, you, you have to see them sometimes. And in my immaturity or whatever it was, I was like, I can't go near a dead body. This is a little bit morbid. Okay, we're just having some fun. My son's on the front row. I hope you don't have any nightmares tonight. I love you. Um, but we're going there. Uh, it's okay. He's not paying attention. Praise God. Uh, but I, 
I was like, I can do all this. Just don't make me do funerals. I'm not good around dead bodies. I'm so scared. And it's kind of messed up. But I, I was, my first few funerals, I was stressing. Like I was like, this is awful. And I would, I would go in to do these funerals and I was just, I would leave just like, oh Lord, that was the worst thing. Don't ever make me do that again. And I hated it. But something shifted two, three years ago. And I started leaving the funerals feeling like this new sense of peace. And I wasn't anxious anymore. And I found myself borderline looking forward to them. And that's so odd. And don't get me wrong. Like, it's so, so sad every time somebody passes. Obviously, it's so, so sad. But the moments where I used to be so scared and terrified, I now found myself almost enjoying them. And started to sort of think, like, what is wrong with me? Why am I liking these things? But I started to realize that the thing I was feeling, it was that the presence of God was at all the funerals. It was that I would go into these things and people's priorities would change and God comes where he's wanted. They would, God would start to show up at these funerals and it was beautiful. And so all of a sudden, like often the funerals playing uh, like a bad YouTube version of a song on tiny little speakers and the presence of God is thick in that place. And it's like, we're worshiping. I sense God is here. Because God comes where he's wanted. I heard this line, a healthy man wants a thousand things. A sick man only wants one. Started to sense that that was happening at funerals. People's perspective was changing and they started to think about life different and God would show up. In pain, people cry out for God's presence. If your presence isn't with me, God, don't bring me up from here. I will dwell. In the presence. Can I tell you, nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God. Funerals remind us that we're not going to live forever. And what happens is we get to this vulnerable place where God can show up and God can speak. And it's going to take some vulnerability from us to enter God's presence more in our lives. Because it's not that he makes it hard. It's actually that we make it hard. It's that we get in the way of entering God's presence, which is such an easy thing to enter into. When we let our guard down, we will experience his presence more in our lives. Because we don't want people to see us in our weakness. We don't even want God to see us in our weakness. So we put some guards up. I even noticed this about myself praying. My prayer life got significantly better when I stopped trying to hide things from God. It wasn't working in the first place. It's like, God, everything's good. But if you could just do this and that. like He's like, show me the real stuff, Joel. And that's when you start to experience his presence more. Funerals force vulnerability. I think that's why God shows up. He's needed and he's wanted. And people actually get vulnerable enough to say, I want your presence here, God. So how do we experience more of God's presence? What are some practical things we can do? Like, it sounds like a good idea. It's like, okay, yeah, I want, I want this thing. You're talking about God's presence I get it, but how do we actually put this into practice? The last 10 minutes this morning, I want to give you four things that could help you put this into practice to get God's presence operating more in your life. I'll tell you, 
you'll be looking for answers in all these places and the presence of God will just help calm you down. It's, it's incredible how the presence of God will show up and change everything. So number one is worship. Worship's a weapon. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but if you feel under attack, if you feel heavy, worship's a way you can fight against that. Worship's a way that we're humbling ourselves and saying, God, I'm not enough and I never will be. So I need you. I'm humbling myself before you. If you want God's presence in your life, in and out of church, give him more worship. But don't just give him more worship, give him more in worship. Why do we need to sing and ex express ourselves to God? It's like, I, I know some, for some of us, it's so embarrassing. We're like, I don't like my voice. I don't want the person beside me to hear my voice. Well, sing a lot on your own, but sing in church, sing it out, because my heart needs to hear my mouth say it in order for me to start to believe it. What's going on in my soul and my spirit, I need my mouth to say it before I can actually start to believe it. My head won't just go there on its own. Your body expresses what your spirit is longing for. Your spirit knows you need help. When you lift your hands, you start to unlock something in your heart. And your body expresses what your spirit needs. And this act of vulnerability helps us enter into God's presence. When you don't have the words, worship does. Your head can be all over the place, but worship speaks to your heart. And Paul gave some, some great instruction for us. I just want to talk to the men for a moment because I know, men, as we lead our homes, it's like, this, is a, this can be, church can be an awkward setting. Like we're okay to lead every other place in life, but sometimes it feels awkward in church to lead your home. And so you, you come into this moment of worship and you're kind of like, I don't know the words. I don't want to look silly. I got a lot going on in my head right now. Do I really need to lead? And I would submit to you right now that in times of worship, yes, you need to lead your family. That they need you to lead them in these moments. It might be, you might be like, well, God knows how I feel about them. How does that work with your wife? But, uh, you know, I, Paul, he's like, he's telling Timothy, as you lead the church, he's giving him a list of like, this is some stuff we're going to do in worship. As you, Tim, as you go out and, and you lead these new churches, here's some instructions I want you to give him. And one thing that I just find interesting is he says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disrupt, disputing. He's like, men, Let's do this. Let's lead together. It's so easy to be like, I'm a man, I'm tough. I don't want, or, or whatever. I'm just not into this. I'm not one of those emotional types. But we have the beautiful opportunity to inspire our family to be led into the presence of God. And yes, it takes some vulnerability to come in here and say, God, I'm never going to be able to lead this family on my own. But I know if your presence comes in. God, I know if you, if you just take what I give you today, I know you'll, you'll take it so far. If your presence doesn't go with me, God, don't bring me up from here. I will dwell and I'll lead my family in that. So worship, prayer. When Paul says to pray without ceasing, he's not telling us, okay, go to Starbucks after church and pray your order, your pumpkin spice order to them, right? He's not like, Lord, you know, 
Oh, barista, would you know my prayer? In Jesus' name, make it half sweet and extra sharp. Um, he's not saying, you know, just pray everything you say. In fact, if, you, if you're going to pray your prayer like that, like tell him you're a Mormon or something. Don't tell him you're with us. Um, just please don't. Please don't do it. When he says to pray in all things, when he says to, to, to pray without ceasing, he's saying to pray in all things. He's saying in the shower, you can pray. You, you drive your car. You don't have to close your eyes. You can pray with your eyes open. At work, pray. Bedtime, pray. When you wake up, you feel the weight of what you're going to do that day, pray. If you're sad, pray. If you're stressed, pray. If you're happy, pray. In all things, if things are going really well, pray. If things are not going well, keep praying, and you will see the presence of God show up. You'll start to experience more of him. Pray in all things. You know, you can pray without saying anything. Maybe you've done this, but you can sit in silence. Some of the most beautiful moments I've had with the Holy Spirit are because I stop speaking, I stop telling him all the things I need from his hand, and just sat in silence and God showed up. You can sit in silence and pray. It's a listening prayer, waiting. Praying the word, it's a great way to pray. Dave did some of that this morning. Where he just prayed us in the word a little bit, takes us into a new authority. You know, you can take, for me, it's like if I'm going through something, Psalm 42. I'm tired of listening to myself speak to me, listening to my situation speak to me, and I start to speak to myself. Put your hope in God, Joel. Psalm 42, pray the word. It's like, let's get it together. Put your hope in God. Take Psalm 27 here. David says, the Lord is my light. Whom shall I feel? Fear. I will dwell in the house. You shelter me, Lord then my head will be high above my enemies. It takes you into a new authority. We also did some intercession prayer today. We stand in the gap between a person who has a need and God. We fight for those people. We fight for those situations. You stand in that gap. Man, God has so much more that he wants to do through us. Stand in the gap. Pete Gregg, I talked about this last week. The author says to get yourself a thin place, he calls it. It's a place where it's easy to hear God's presence. For me, any or to hear God's voice and, and experience his presence. For me, it's like I get by that, the, the whatever we have, the North Saskatchewan River. If I can get a spot alone by that river, I find it easy to hear the voice of God. I have this room in the upstairs of our house, and there's a chair in that room that for some reason, the kids don't throw toys on that chair for the most part, and it stays nice and waits for me. And for whatever reason, when I sit in that space, I see the light come on the wall. I, I hear God's voice easier. A thin place. Find thin places that you can rely on and go to to hear God's voice in your life. So worship, prayer, and then silence. We talked about it a little bit already. Silence. Mark 1, 3 to 35. Sorry, not 3 to 5. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning while it's still dark, Jesus, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, an empty place where nobody else was. There he was praying. To hear God's voice, you're going to have to quiet the world. You're going to have to turn off the phone. You're going to have to turn off the kids somehow, right? Turn off the TV, whatever it is. Even sometimes it's the music. Sometimes we play worship music here at church when we're praying. Sometimes i got to shut that off because God is trying to speak in that moment. 
whatever it is, phone on do not disturb or airplane, sit in silence because God won't compete with noise. And that, there's that story where Elijah is like looking for God's vo- voice and it, he, God's voice wasn't in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire. The Lord was in the whisper. It's like, I'm trying to get a hold of you. I'm trying to help you to pay attention. It's like a trick that teachers use, right? The classroom's so chaotic, they start to whisper. Everybody starts to sort of lean in. Can I just say that maybe God is whispering to you? But you're watching Netflix. God's whispering to you, but maybe you're at the club. Do people still go to the club? I don't know. Uh, Maybe he's whispering, but you won't stop talking. Like you just, everything's so busy and God's trying to get a hold of you and you're looking for something to satisfy you and nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God. And maybe you haven't been hearing God's voice because your life is just too loud. There's a woman named Susanna Wesley. Susanna had 10 kids and I'm sure her life was quite chaotic. And Susanna used to do this thing when she wanted to spend some time with the Lord. She would take her apron and flip it over her head as a sign to her children, don't talk to me right now. Don't bother me right now. I'm spending some time with God. And two of Susanna's kids, John and Charles Wesley, became great preachers and the founders of the Methodist Church. And you know, millions, millions have come to Christ through the Methodist Church. And they call her the the mother of Methodism because she prioritized God's presence, praying, hearing the voice of God. You need silence. You need a moment. You need to get away. God wants to speak to you. So worship, prayer, silence, and then solitude. Silence is you want the outside to be quiet. You want the world to be quiet, but solitude is I have to quiet what's going on in me. How many people know you can have silence without having solitude? But you have to quiet yourself. Your mind gets racing. You start to think about your bills, the look somebody gave you, the to-do list, how you're feeling about yourself that day. But you have to quiet going on inside of you so God can speak. What I find in solitude is that the things that once gave me so much anxiety aren't really that big of a deal at all. What I find in solitude is perspective. Why was I making such a big deal of whatever it is? My God is so great. My God cares about me. He wants to bless me. I want to seek his presence. What I find in solitude is a moment to give God the lies I believed about myself. Nothing will satisfy you like the presence of God and compelling disciples are people who say, God, I want your presence here. That's my prayer for our church, that we would be a church that says, God, I want your presence here. We're a church that's all these people from all these different backgrounds, we're not gonna believe We're not gonna uh, believe everything. We're not gonna believe all the same things. We're not gonna agree on everything. That's what I'm trying to say. All these people, we're not, we're not gonna agree on everything. We're not even theologically gonna agree on everything. That's okay. Let's unify around the presence of God. Let's be a church that says, God, I want 
your presence here. I'll just tell you, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what his word says. So that means you were designed to carry God's presence wherever you go. Carry it. We pray this morning, God, we just invite you into whatever anyone is going through today. God, if there's a heaviness in the room that's not from you, would you lift it right now? If there's shame in the room, would you just lift it right now? Maybe there's some guilt, that's okay. Sometimes we need some of that, but shame, we just pray you lift it right now. Oh God, we thank you for how good you've been to us. We're dedicating ourselves today to seek more of your face, Lord. We want your presence here. We want to dwell in your presence, God. We ask that you come into whatever we do after this, wherever we go from here into our normal day-to-day life. And we could be doing the same actions, but a different thing is happening because we're inviting, before we start anything, we're inviting God's presence in. God, we want your presence here. And then we ask that your will be done in our lives, God. We have our own way of thinking, our own way we think that life is supposed to go, but God, we don't want to do it if it's not your will. We want your will to be done in our lives. So God, we yield. We yield to your will. Say, have your way in our in our life, God. I'm gonna pray for one more group of people. If you know it's time, it's time to turn your life over to Jesus. He died to pay for your freedom. Today, you can pray a prayer to accept that, to be welcomed into this family of believers. Maybe you prayed the prayer before you fell away. You need to pray again today. That's okay. You can do that. We're going to pray with you. But as I was talking about before, you don't have to clean yourself up. You just come to God. And you watch as you desire his presence, how it shifts your heart and your life and your desires. Romans 3 says this, for everyone who has sinned, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He freely makes us right in his sight. And that can happen for you today. Would you repeat after me? Jesus Thank you for coming to this earth, living the perfect life and dying on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that you are my Lord and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for what God's done in this place? Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.